I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. In 2013, Black activists created the hashtag Black Lives Matter in response to police violence against unarmed Black people. It sparked a decade of intense conversations about racial bias and policing. That all came to a head in the so-called racial reckoning of 2020, which galvanized mainstream attention. Signs went up on lawns, protests filled the streets, racial bias trainings surged in police departments and other workplaces across the country. But many are still waiting for bold changes. San Francisco has had to confront that tension. Recent Chronicle reporting found Black residents in the city are six times more likely to be stopped by police than white people. They're also 10 times more likely to be searched as a result of that stop. That may not be surprising to you because by now, most of us understand that racial bias in policing is a fact. What might surprise you is that San Francisco's disproportionate stop and search rates make the city an outlier in the state. To illustrate the problem, Chronicle race and inequality columnist Justin Phillips and reporter Susie Nielsen took a closer look at how San Francisco police justify their stop and searches. They dug into SFPD data to look at the language used when making stops. Key words like marijuana and smell were often used significantly more in searches of Black people, even though no discoveries of contraband were made. Justin Phillips and Susie Nielsen are here to talk about that reporting, as well as SFPD's latest effort to curb pretextual stops, one of the major forms of racial bias in policing. Justin, Susie, thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Susie, let's start with you. I want to know about how this reporting came about. What kind of data were you working with and looking at? This story was kind of sparked after I did an analysis with one of our crime reporters, Megan Cassidy, about pretextual stops by San Francisco police officers. So these include lower-level infractions, like a broken taillight, but maybe police think that they might find evidence of some bigger crime. So the data that we got actually included some really interesting text fields that I had not seen in previous data sets on police stops. So Basically, it looked like police were manually entering reasons for why they were stopping and searching people. And we already knew that racial disparities in stops and searches were stark in San Francisco. So my previous reporting with Dustin Gardner, we knew that San Francisco police were six times as likely to stop Black people compared to white people and 10 times as likely to search them. And so we thought that using some data tools to mine these text fields would lend some insight into whether reasons for stopping and searching Black people were racialized, and if so, how. Justin and I talked about it, and we thought that one powerful way to look at this was by looking specifically at searches that police officers did that were what we called unfounded, where police came up empty-handed, so they didn't find any drugs, weapons, anything like that, and the person was either let off with the warning or nothing happened at all. So they weren't cited, they weren't arrested, indicating that they didn't do anything wrong. Now, Justin, this is important because just for some context, recent Chronicle reporting found that San Francisco had the greatest disparity in stops of Black and white people in the Bay Area. And earlier this month, the city's police commission approved a measure that would limit pretextual stops in an effort to reduce racial bias. It was controversial. Can you tell me why? They approved a draft of a policy that would curb pretext stops, essentially. And for a lot of police officers, 
And just, you know, supporters of traditional policing, pretext stops are useful for investigating drugs or potentially weapons possession or drunken driving or, you know, a variety of other crimes. So people that support it say, hey, the police need this tool to be good at their jobs. And the people who are against it point to the racial disparities that exist when uh, police employ this tactic because there are certain groups as um, you know Susie's data reveals that are stopped more than others. Well Susie let's get into that data analysis. Tell me about the common words that showed up and what you analyzed. What were your findings? It's important I think to note that the data that we looked at isn't just searches and stops that would be deemed pretextual. It includes all stops made by San Francisco police. So that includes stops of people in vehicles, also people walking around. So we took that data and looked at the most common words with the biggest discrepancies between races. And we found that the terms smell, marijuana, and odor had the highest racial disparities between Black and white San Franciscans. So police officers were 58 times as likely to search Black people and use the term marijuana than white people and also much more likely to employ terms like odor and smell, probably referring to marijuana because often police will cite suspicious odor as a reason to pull somebody over. These, by the way, again, are searches where there was no drugs discovered, as police indicated in the data, and nothing else bad happening. And they were also more likely to use the words gun, crime, baggy, like baggy clothing, and some other loaded terms to justify unfounded searches of Black people. So just to kind of add a number to this, like a raw number, you know, police officers used the word marijuana in 269 unsuccessful searches of Black people compared to 38 searches of white people, despite the fact that Black people make up 5% of the city's population and white people make up 51%. The words that had the lowest disparities were more procedural, like you might see warrant or searched, or tool, those words were more balanced across the different racial groups. Now, Justin, obviously, some of the terms play into blatant racial stereotypes of Black people. Were any of these findings surprising to you? What are the implications here? I think for anyone like myself who's familiar with bias in American policing, um, it's probably not surprising, but it is staggering to see how Susie put this information in a way that's digestible in a different way. We're not just talking about blanket racial bias existing. Now we're talking about actual language that's used. And that, that's something that, you know, we really don't often see. The implications are are wide ranging. Like they kind of explain why this dangerous intersection of police bias and interactions with police uh, for people of color, like why it exists. You know, as Mapping Police Violence, it's a research and advocacy group uh, that tracks police killings nationwide. As its data shows, between 2017 and 2022, nearly 600 people were killed in traffic stops. Black people are overrepresented among the folks that are stopped by police. Even though they're 13% of the the population in this country, they accounted for 28% of people killed 
in those stops. Policing in this country doesn't have a bias problem that came out of nowhere. If you trace its roots, like law enforcement in this country goes back to slave patrols of the antebellum era, um, those morphed into white militias that upheld black codes and then that transformed into, you know, modern day law enforcement that we see today. You're tracing a line of history, you're finding evidence, and I think uh, Susie's data just shows another element of a, of a much larger problematic picture. After a quick break, Justin Phillips and Susie Nielsen share how San Francisco plans to limit pretextual stops and what they heard from Black San Francisco residents who experienced them firsthand. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Justin Phillips, before the break, you gave us a good historical reminder of the racist history of policing in the country. During a San Francisco Police Commission meeting earlier this month, Residents called in to share some of their own experiences with that, and you spoke to people with similar stories in your reporting. What stood out to you? The police commission hearing was really, really interesting to watch, you know, especially the item around pretext stops, because so many people from the community spoke about it and uh, spoke in support of it. And you also had people who called in and who were there in person that shared their own experiences with police stops that they felt were biased. They pulled me out of my car, handcuffed me, set me on the curb so I could be a zoo animal for passerbyers, and went through my car with a fine tooth comb. For a person on parole, that's anxiety feeling, that's trauma triggering, and it was just disrespectful. One day I was driving down 3rd Street when an officer pulled me over because my back windows were heavily tinted. The officer immediately started to ask me all kinds of uncomfortable questions such as, am I on probation? Do I have a boyfriend? And if he was a criminal, and if I was a criminal as well. People don't want to talk publicly about this stuff because they have a fear of what could happen to them. You know, if they're quoted in a story or if they're posted online saying something negative about a specific officer or a police department, they worry about having to run into that officer again or being mistreated because of what they said. So it's hard to get people to want to talk openly about this, which makes the police commission meeting so moving. And I think that's what stood out to me is like, um, you hear only a fraction of the stories, but you have to understand that so many more ex exist and people just hold on to them without talking about them. Now, Susie, as we mentioned, the police commission has responded to these types of community concerns. They approved a draft of a policy to restrict some pretext stops earlier this month. Will it make a difference? What does that law limit? It's still being hammered out. So the legislation still has to proceed to the San Francisco Police Union for months of labor talks, potentially. So it's going to take some time to have the intended impact and actually make a difference in police stop rates. But basically, this policy will limit officers' ability to pull people over for minor infractions that do not really have an impact on public safety, like expired tags or expired license plates or things like that. The hope is that this 
large discrepancy in stop rates will start to go down because as we've previously shown, you know, these pretextual stops have much higher racial biases than ordinary traffic stops that actually do indicate public safety concerns. Um, so previous analysis we did show that police officers in San Francisco are more than 10 times as likely to pull black drivers over for pretext stops, but four times as likely to pull them over for normal traffic stops. I think the city is hoping that it will make a difference. It's made a difference in other cities. So the LA Times reported that after Los Angeles approved a pretext policy, it was followed by an almost immediate decline in police stopping people for minor violations, and officers were conducting far fewer searches during those stops. Uh, Berkeley, D.C., and Philadelphia are a couple of other cities that have implemented restrictions and are looking to see how those will impact policing. Justin, these findings affirm what many of us already know to be true about racial bias in policing. It may not be shocking, but it is pretty stark. And I'm just I'm thinking about all the trauma the black community has faced because of it. And in talking to people who have advocated for reform in and outside of policing, you know, what else needs to happen? You know, police reform may be some form of progress, but where do we go from here, you think? That's another great question. I I think for a lot of them, it's just being consistent in legislation, uh, especially on the local level. Like, Like if you have more cities having conversations like we, like San Francisco has had about pretext stops, then you can stack that legislation on top of each other. And that turns into like a national movement that, uh, could be self-sustaining in many ways. And I think the other part is trust the data and have patience. These policies aren't going to provide results like good or bad the next day. It's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take a couple months. And for reform advocates, like they have to be be consistent in messaging and also be aware of the movements that'll happen that, uh, you know, aim to undermine these kind of policies. I'm sure at some point there's going to be a story about police not pulling over someone for a taillight and then that person gets into, you know, a horrible car accident. It'll be a tragic event. And it's one of those situations that get used as an example for why uh, reform focused policy does not work. And we should, you know, be hyper aware of things that are outliers and not evidence of some consistent trend. Reform advocates just have to track the data, show where it's working, be honest if it's not. I will say this. I am hopeful. San Francisco is obviously a progressive city. They're embracing policies like this, you know, aimed at curbing uh, racial bias and policing in the city. That's that's really important. And I hope, you know, other cities follow San Francisco's lead. And I think it's just good to remember that these things take time. And I hope this isn't a decision that just represents a moment. I hope it's a decision that represents a growing movement. Well, it does seem like San Francisco is having the right conversation. And certainly this reporting is such an important part of it. Thank you both for speaking with me. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, we appreciate it. Justin Phillips is a columnist at The Chronicle covering race and inequality in the Bay Area, and Susie Nielsen is a data reporter. Find their story about the terms that San Francisco police use to explain unfounded searches of Black people in the city at sfchronicle.com and The Chronicle app. Thanks to Francesca Fenzi for producing and editing this episode, and to you for listening. <laughs> 